Amen. Thank you, ladies. Well, if you got a Bible, turn to James, please. And as you do, I forgot something in my announcements for Bonanza. We need uh, some cupcakes and candy. So if you're interested, uh, you can make them or bring them. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, I think, for cupcakes. Is that right, Tony? Is that right? Uh, and there's a, a bucket for some candy. We need that for the prizes. So um, I forgot about that during my announcement. So if you can help us out, we, we could use the help. James chapter 3, uh, we're in part 2 of our series. It's complicated looking at relationships. Today, we're going to talk about words and how they matter. Um, and before we read our text, just a couple of things. Remember the old statement, or, or finish the sentence? Uh, Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words... That's such garbage, isn't that? Isn't that a lie? Isn't that a lie? Like, I don't know who ever, I don't know who came up with that, but that's the word. I mean, there are times when I'd rather somebody punch me in the face than what they tell me or what I hear, okay? But it does. Sometimes words can be the most powerful thing in the world. It can be the most uplifting or the most crushing, devastating thing when somebody says something to you or about you, okay? So words, they, they matter. And, you know, we're going to look today. Excuse me, at relationships and, and how our, our words matter, but I'm going to share a couple of statements from a book. I shared this last week, a book by Paul Tripp called Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. So I have a couple of statements, and this one, this will get us started. It's on the screen for you. Our words matter. He says this, because our, because our words have great power and direction, they always produce some kind of harvest. We're in an agricultural community, so this ought, to, this ought to make sense for us. It will be a life harvest of comfort, encouragement, hope, insight, unity, and joy, or a death harvest of fear, discouragement, falsehood, divisions, and sadness. Words can open up the mysteries of the universe for someone. Words can crush a person's spirit, excite, or stimulate love. Words have power. I don't think anybody in this room is going to argue and say, words don't matter. They have a lot of power. They put a lot of weight uh, there's a lot of weight behind what they say, especially if they come from somebody that you trust or care about or you know. So we see this, that words are powerful, and on average, 18,000, between 18,000 and 25,000 words are spoken a day. Now, I'm not going to get into the specifics of which gender speaks the most. I'm not going to do that. That doesn't matter, guys. It's not a big deal. It's not irrelevant. But I'm just going to tell you this. Average, over 20,000 words a day are spoken, and if we agree that they have power, then as followers of Jesus, maybe we need to kind of figure this stuff out because let's just, let's just draw a pretty bold line in the sand here. I would imagine, and I know without a shadow of doubt, that my relationships, your relationship, church relationships, community relationships have been broken, strained, strengthened, destroyed, whatever you want to call it, based upon something that somebody said to you or about you or that you heard from somebody else. So this is a big deal when it comes to the complicated life of relationships in small town community church America, that words matter. So I want to see today what the scriptures tell us. So if you'll stand together, we're going to read James. That's going to be home base for us, and we're going to be in several different places. But a very familiar text, James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to go through 12. We'll walk through this text, and it'll be kind of home base, and we'll move from there. James chapter 3, verse 1. James says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Excuse me. I'm yodeling here. We stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in, way, in, in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Verse 3. <clears throat> when we put bits into the mouths of horses, we can make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. 
Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a, a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray together. If you would, just relax for just a minute. Um, in your own heart, in your own way, we do it every week. Uh, take a deep breath, relax. In your own heart, whatever is going on in your life, busy, maybe not, maybe stuff after church, just, just ask in your own way for the Lord to change us and shape us and mold us. And there's no curveballs today, church. We're going to talk about the words, but it's a matter of the heart. And maybe right now some of you are wrestling because there's things in maybe broken relationships or things that have been said to you or maybe something that you said or maybe strained relationships based upon those things. I pray right now that we would focus on ourselves as we talked about last week, that we could see, God, what you have for us today. If that's your desire, would you do that? And pray for me, please, that I'd speak what he'd have for us today. Father, we're grateful for today. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the reality of and the difficulty of speech and what it reveals about our heart. And I pray for today. I pray that, God, in, even in the children's sermon, everybody in this room raised their hands about saying something that hurt somebody or being hurt by somebody. And it's amazing the simplicity of words and how it can destroy and how the enemy would love to steal, kill, and destroy relationships in this community, this church, in this town. For this moment in space today, help us to see what you have asked us to do and how you've asked us to steward the words we speak. That if we follow you, they're not our words. Because we speak on behalf of somebody else. Change us, shape us, mold us, do something great today. We ask in your name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to go pretty quickly through James. We've got several things to cover, but... Uh, each one of you, if I was to ask you privately, um, which I'm not, but if I was to ask you and I said, hey... Could you tell me a story about a time in your life when somebody literally ripped you to shreds with words? Or maybe you heard something that was said about you, or maybe something got back to you, or maybe something that you spoke and you know that you said something that hurt somebody. You could probably tell me stories of people in your life that, that have come alongside you and encouraged you like nobody ever has. Maybe it was a teacher, maybe a coach, maybe somebody in your life, uh, maybe at church, maybe a friend that came alongside of you and spoke life into you and encouraged you in ways that nobody ever has. Let me go a little deeper. Some of you in this room can tell me stories of your childhood of having moms and dads that never spoke anything but negativity into your life. 
Maybe people in your life that you, 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 you held up on this pedestal, but they never spoke anything but, 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 but negativity and, and doubts and ugliness. And, and, and all you've ever wanted was somebody to speak something kind to you in those things. And words matter. It's a big deal. James is going to tell us that it's powerful, and he's, we're going to go right through it. He's going to talk about how powerful it is. He's going to talk about how not everybody should presume to be teachers because they're going to be held to a higher standard. We all stumble in many ways. And then in verse 3, he's going to start talking about how powerful the tongue is. He's going to talk about how our words, and this is a, a, a text that you've probably heard from a childhood of what he says. He says, he's talking about a, you know, a bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder for a ship, and how a small spark can start a fire. Verse 3. We put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or we have these massive ships that the large winds push them along, but they're steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. And a small spark is comparable to a tongue that can set a fire to a forest. We see these three things in verses 3 through 5. If you haven't, I'm sure it's already highlighted in your own Bibles because this is a very familiar text. We see the bit, we see the rudder, and we, this, we see the spark. It is a very simple thing. What do they have in common? They are small but very effective controllers. They are very effective in moving and navigating and, and bringing change. They each direct something larger than themselves, a large animal or a ship. James is trying to tell us, just like the bit, just like the rudder, just like all these things, just like a small spark can start a fire, the tongue that is described as a restless evil can do great things. I just said it. You can encourage somebody, make their world better by speaking something, and you can destroy somebody by knowing exactly what to tell them and exactly what to say to them so that you can crush them. I'll paraphrase, but that's why Proverbs 18.21 says that words can kill, words can give life, they can be full of poison, or they can be full of fruit. Another quote from that book I was referencing earlier from Paul Tripp. I, I, I like this quote, but I hate it at the same time. And you'll probably see why when I share this. Considering our words, Paul Tripp says this. He says, words have a, a high and holy calling. One of the greatest mistakes in communication is to take the words as our own and use them as we please. Now, catch this. We are stealing God's glory by treating words as our own. Now, just in case you're missing it, the reason I have a love-hate relationship with this quote is that last sentence because I don't like it. I raised my hand on the first one to say that I've said things and, and about things. And I've, I've hurt people. I've said things. I've said things. I've probably hurt people. I've been hurt this way as well. But when you go back to that quote when he says, we are stealing the glory of God by treating our words as our own. There is stewardship that comes in how you speak. Now, if, if I, I put in my notes because I was thinking about this stewardship. We think of that as tithing and giving and stewarding our time, our resources, and our talents. I want you to catch something today. If you're a follower of Jesus, we steward the words we say. They are not your own. And what we're talking about, the glory of the, the one and only God, the, 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 the triune God, the glory of him, the weight, the value, the worth, Tripp says we steal that. We, we take that away when we treat the words that we speak as though those are, they're my words. So again, there's no curveballs. If you're a follower of Jesus, what we're saying here is that there is a calling on your life, but how we speak, you don't represent yourself anymore. Now, what you're thinking right now, you think, all right, I'll stop cussing, Pastor. 
I'll stop telling those bad. That's not the hope. That's not the point. We'll get to there in a minute. My question for, for me and maybe for you to wrestle with is to say, does God get any glory at all based upon how you speak? That's tough. How we speak about people, how we speak about others, how we speak about life, how we speak about conflict, how we speak about difficulties. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then you know what? Your words are your own. You, you have not been bought by another. Your life is yours. Now, there, there is an eternal consequence that comes with that. But if you have been bought by the blood of Jesus, just like everything else, I just spit a big spit right there. That's okay. Just like everything else, it's like I tell the kids when we talk about following Jesus, it ain't about you anymore. It's not about us. And that, yes, it's not about our time, our talent, our resources, but it's also the words that we say. Do you, do I, do we collectively steal the glory of God by the way that we speak and the words that we say? And I alluded to it a while ago because we typically, what I go straight to is this. If I, was to, if I was in your seat, excuse me, if I was sitting over there and I was listening to this sermon, you know what my mind would go to? The first thought would be, well, I need to start, I need to kind of clean it up a little bit. I've kind of, you know, some of, the, some of the words I've been saying, they're a little bit kind of, hey, I need to kind of clean it up a little bit. I need to kind of say more positive things. I need to say, stop, stop saying the bad things. Start, start doing a little bit of this. That is the tendency we all go to. And it's a natural thing, but it's not going to do any good. We can't. You're thinking about, hey, I'm going to try to tame it. And Paul, oh, excuse me, James is telling us that we physically, in verse 8, we cannot tame the tongue. That, I don't know about you, but that's a helpless feeling. Look at verse 7. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, they've all been tamed, tamed by mankind. But verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with the tongue, we praise people, but we curse them. We curse others who have been made in the image of God. My brothers, this cannot be. What's his point? Now look right at me. He's saying, hey, if you're listening to a sermon like this, you're thinking, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to st-. You're not. Spoiler alert. If you start thinking those things of, man, I'm going to clean it up a little bit, pastor. I'm going to do better. You're not. Because we start thinking about manifesting this, this desire to, to tame the tongue. I'm going I'm to start doing this. No, you're not. And he goes into this, the fresh water and salt water, they don't come from the same place. Fig trees don't produce olives. Grape, grapevines, I can't talk, don't produce figs. And it's like I told the kids, what comes out of, of our mouth is what is in here. If you're a note taker, word problems reveal heart problems. I'm going to say it again. Word problems reveal heart problems. And Jesus said this in Luke 6. This is what the kiddos, this is what, we, what I read to you. Jesus said this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the mouth speaks the heart. So when we want to see where somebody's heart is at, we don't have to look any deeper than listening to what they say. Flip it around. 
when somebody wants to know where your heart is at, nobody has to just, they don't have to even observe you. They can just listen to you. You ever been around somebody? It's just, it's always negative. It's always this. It's always that. It's always talking about this or that. And, and like, should you be saying that, what you just said? Are you talking, do they know that you're, all of this stuff, it is a, it is a restless evil, a restless poison and, and, and talking about people and gossiping and slander and all these things. It's bigger than just cleaning up our language, not cussing. All, that's not even the main point. The point is, is that where our hearts are at, our mouths are going to speak. And Jesus is trying to hammer that home. It's, if there's anger, resentment, slander, gossip versus encouragement, hope, love, joy, all of these things, if that is where your heart's at, it's going to come forth. I'm at the top of the list. Let me just give you a testimony in case, unless somebody else wants to come up here and change places. When my heart is in a bad place, had a bad day, not in a good spot, my wife can attest to this, I'm, I don't always speak the most kind things. You've been around somebody that had a bad day and they say, oh, this, whatever. It could be your spouse, it could be coworkers, it could be somebody, you're, if you're dating somebody, it could be whoever, your kids. And they maybe say what I said last week about my three-year-old where they cross their arms and say, I'm mad. As if everything that's going to come out next is justified or okay. Well, I'm mad. I don't care if you're mad. I've been on the other side of it too, where I felt entitled to say things because I'm just fresh. I'm just mad. I'm just done. I'm probably the only one. <laughs> because where my heart is in a bad place, I feel entitled and justified. And what I've done is what I just did, I hijacked the glory of the living God because I feel like I'm more important in that moment. Trip is right. I stole the glory of God because I think I deserve to be right or heard or be, express my opinion, or say these mad things, bad things because I'm mad. And what I've done, this is an epic spiritual thing, is I have robbed the glory of God. I've taken it. No, I have hijacked the glory of God and said, you know what? what? My opinion, my attitude, my frustration, what I need to say is more important than God getting the glory. Because you know what I've done? As somebody who, who claims to know Jesus, I've taken the words and said, no, it's not. I'm going to speak how I want. It's not about him anymore. It's about me. So words matter. And, it, and we can't ever think, I'm just going to do better. You can't. We can't tame the tongue. This is why the gospel comes in. It is about a change of heart. I don't have the time to go there, but you go to Ezekiel 36 and basically talks about being basically a, a new creation. You get a heart that, that God says, I'm going to give you a different heart when you know me, I'm going to take the heart of stone that is unreceptive. Now hear this. Please hear this if you're tuning me out already. A heart that is unreceptive to the things of God. And I'm going to give you a soft heart. I'm going to give you a heart that's going to listen. I'm going to give you a heart that's going to want to change. And a heart that's not going to be a break. A heart that's going to want to do things my way. You see, the remedy for today is not to say, I'm just going to start this and stop this. The remedy today is to look at our heart. Not to look at somebody else's heart, not thinking, oh, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. I hope it's recorded. Maybe I should send the link later to the sermon. Hey, no, no, not trying to, no angles here, but listen to the sermon that David talked about words. Maybe you could get something out of it. I mean, I just, don't do that. But look at our own hearts. St. Corinthians 5.20 says that we are Christ ambassadors. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you want nothing to Jesus uh, about Jesus, sorry, that you are your own thing, your own entity. It is all on you. You resemble and represent yourself. 
But church, look at me this morning. If you have stepped into this and said, I'm going to follow Christ, and I'm going to stand before the church and let people know, and I'm going to get baptized, and I talk to these kids about what, it, basically what I'm telling you guys this, is that your life is not about you anymore. Even the way we speak. We represent, we have taken down the flag, if you will. That's what an ambassador is. It represents the nations or represents a country. We've taken down the flag of self. And we have raised the banner of Jesus. And even the words that we speak are to bring him honor and glory and praise. Now, let me say this. You're probably thinking that never happens. We're all a bunch of jerks and a bunch of failures. We all make mistakes. Yes! I didn't call you a jerk, so don't get mad. Don't email me. We all do it, though. But you know what that means? That means we're not okay. That means I'm not okay when I say things and, and things I do things. I'm, I, I'm convicted. I'm broken. And I, I, I ask for forgiveness. And I say, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I didn't mean to do that. And I'm going to stop. I get on my face and I'm going to say, God, change my heart because I'm not representing you well. I have established the kingdom of self. It is all about David. It's all about me. And our words, my words, our words are to be about others, others focused. Now, let me flip it a little bit. I want to give you some positive things. I want to give you what the Scriptures tell us because you're probably thinking, that's great, David. I need to do better. I need to do these things. I need a heart change. Can you give me something, give me something concrete? Here you go. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, if you'd like to take notes, you can write these things down. He's going to give us a passage of Scripture that's going to be very helpful. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 30. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now, Paul is dealing with these people in Ephesus. He's talking to them about guarding their speech, but the bottom and most practical thing, he's trying to get to their hearts. And what he's going to do in this passage, yes, he talks about the way that we speak could grieve the Spirit, grieve the heart of God. It can break the heart of God how we speak. But he's going to give us three things we can do. The first thing we do when it comes to how do we do better? How do we do things God's way? How do we bring God glory? The first thing we do when it comes to verse 29 is we consider the person. Now, you're probably thinking, Pastor, in day-to-day life, this will never happen. Yes, it will. If you look at it and we say, this is what the Scripture tells us, and we say, God, help me to live this, help me to do this. The first thing he says is consider the person. What is helpful for building others up? Earlier, Earlier when he says, you're going you're gonna to praise God and with the same mouth, you're going to curse him? It didn't work that way. And when, when, when Paul is saying what is helpful for building others up, those other people that are created in the Imago Dei, the image of God, whether you hate them, love them, or even like them, they are made in the image of God. Paul tells the church, don't let unwholesome things come out of your mouth, but what is helpful for building others up. The second is we got to consider the problem. Whatever's going on, it's when, when Paul says we consider things according to their needs. I don't, want, I don't want to speak for you, but I can speak for me. I can be an incredibly selfish person. Did you see what he just said? Even the words we speak, it's about others. Imagine the world, and I know what you're thinking. That ain't going to happen, Pastor. So let's just, let's just get this going and move it on. Imagine the world of, of spirit-led followers of Jesus that we're not going to make it perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But if our words were about building others up according to their needs, 
Do you know what that means in everyday life? Sometimes it's not even what you say, it's what you don't say. You ever had somebody come up and tell you something that they heard from somebody else, and you're like, why are you telling me that? I don't need to know that they hate my guts. I don't need to know that they don't want nothing to do. I don't need to know that. There's nothing I can do with that. There's no reconciliation. There's nothing that you're asking. Hey, they want. No, you're just telling me stuff that you heard from somebody else, and all it does is create damage. It is a spark that's got a lot of fire. So sometimes the most beneficial, others-focused thing about their needs is to say, you know what? They don't need to hear that. I can't tell you the, the times when, when my, my wife has protected me from something that this, or I try to do my best. I'm like, yeah, you don't need to know. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, well, what is it? What, what do I need to know? Did they, who hates my guts? Who hates this? Who hates this? You don't worry about it. Think about this. Think, that's the re- Imagine if, if, if that's the case where we're like, no, I love you. I care about you enough. You don't need to know. There's nothing. I'm protecting you. Like I would my own child. I'm protecting my children. I'm not going to come tell you, hey, here's everybody who doesn't like you. No, I'm gonna, you don't need to hear that. It's according to their name. The third is consider the process. Lots of P's here. Person, problem, process. That it may benefit those who listen. What's, what's beneficial? Are we building them up according to their needs that it's going to be beneficial for them? Same thing. What we say, what we don't say. Are we stewarding the words that come out of our, now, our mouth? Excuse me, because we have been bought by another. And I don't want to steal the glory of God in myself. I should say, when I do that, when David does that, not if, but when I do that, and I say something stupid, and I say something mean, or I say something that's just vengeful or ugly, that I get on my face, and I can apologize, and I can say I'm broken as hard, but I say, God, you got to change my heart. Because I can't tame this restless evil of a tongue. I can't do it. I cannot do it. What would it look like? I would do that if we would do that. If our words, the way we speak, that it's not about us, it's about others. That's the everyday life of doing those things. We don't tear people down, but we step up and step in when others are being talked about. We don't use our words to just try to fit in. We don't just kind of throw words out that we steward the words that we speak as a we are ambassadors for somebody else. We don't allow gossip or slander to come across our path or pass it on. We don't justify profanity or harsh words about others because we're mad. We don't approach God's word or things like today as just advice that we can kind of trickle in as we're watching TV. It just kind of washes over us, but we'll just kind of take it as we go. But we, we, we realize, I realize that when I choose to live David's way and not the way that God has called me, that I'm breaking the heart of God and I'm taking the glory from him. Now, this would be an easy sermon. It's like last week. All of these sermons would be great for people. Hey, I wish so-and-so. I would about for somebody else. But I'm just asking you this, is that where, where's our heart at today? Every one of us in this room raised our hand earlier where the kids were looking out there. And it did it on purpose because everyone in this room have been hurt and we have hurt people. Every one of us. And my only request is this, is that we would evaluate our hearts and where we're at with the Lord. And it's not if, but when we fail and we speak, and we treat words as our own. Not if, but when that happens, that we ask God to, to change us, and we repent of that. What do your words say about your heart? And as I close, some of us, we, need to, we may need to repent. We may need to tell God, I'm sorry, I, I've, I have hijacked your glory, and I've taken these words as mine, and I'm just speaking as I want, and I've, I've taken the glory from you.
Based upon how I speak, nobody would want anything to do with you. I've not made you worthy. I've not made you valuable. I've not made you a high and holy God. I have basically robbed your glory because I'm using these words as my own. We can press in as the psalmist in Psalm 19, 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. There's your verse for the week if you need one to hold on to. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Not my friends, not my coworkers, not my classmates, not my employees, not my boss, not that kind of stuff. I'm trying to be pleasing in your sight. Because check this out, Paul Tripp is right in his book when he talks about this. He says this, in case you're wondering, there has never been a good relationship without good communication. There has never been a bad relationship that didn't get there in some part because of something that was said. You think about the most strained relationship that you have in this community, in this church with people. It didn't get there unless on some part of something that was said. And I go back to this, and I think this, is, and I'm done, and I think about this, about the brokenness of, of, of asking God to change us and shape us and mold us and, and that we can leave here different. They come to reality with the, the words that we say, and if we fall short, to tell God, please change us. I think of this, and I'm done. Psalm 51, right after David just basically hijacked the glory of God and his sin and his selfishness and, and his adultery and all that he's done. He committed murder to cover it all up. It's horrible, horrible, despicable situation. But in Psalm 51, he didn't just want to say, God, forgive me for my sins. And he wanted God to change his heart. He said, God, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So here's my plea. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes where you're at, and I'm done. If there is anybody here today, and I'm not doing any hands raised or nothing like that, I'm just asking you this. I'm just asking you to evaluate where your heart's at. And if there is anybody here today That maybe you think, man, Pastor, I have, I've hijacked the glory of God and I've just used my words as my own. I'm just passing on information, sharing stuff, gossiping, talking, cussing, just things that I think, whatever, whatever it could be, it's different for everybody. But God is receiving no glory by how I handle my words. Maybe this is what we pray and ask God in Psalm 51 God, change my heart, create in me a pure heart and a steadfast spirit. I cannot just tame the tongue, I can't just stop. But God, change my heart. Break me down. Reveal the areas in my life that need to change. And if that is you, and when that is me, we ask God to help us. And we tell him, God, I'm I can't do that. I can't change. I just need you to do this. Help me to consider others. Help me to... Not take your glory because I've decided to use my words as my own. So I just want to give you a second to pray, and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing. But however this lands on you, whatever God is calling of you, whatever he's maybe bringing to light, would you just obey? You pray, and we're going to stand and we're going to sing.
Father, thank you for the day. There's a reality that I've come to learn over the course of most of my life that church and life in small town America can sometimes be difficult. Father, I pray for for us here today and for those that are listening that you just help us to deal with our hearts. Help us to steward our words as you want us to, not as we choose to. And when those moments come, not if, but when those moments come where we're tempted and tested and, and, and we, we're, we're, we're battling what to say and what not to say, that we can be reminded by your spirit of what you've called us to do. Help me, help us as a church to not steal your glory. As if the words we say are just about us. Above all, Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for salvation. That even though we, if we know you, we're in, in our failures, our struggles, you still can sanctify us and shape us and change us. We ask that you do that. So, Father, whatever you're asking of us, I pray for everyone in this room that we obey. That we step in and we obey. It's the high calling of how we speak. We ask it in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.